Well, if you are thoroughly confused of why we're showing you penguins, then just go back to March. <laughs> no, we've uh, been talking about this Community Life series, just how these emperor penguins and their uh, migration habits is such an apt illustration of the life of the church. Uh, that if you're familiar with the March of the Penguins and that documentary, that basically these penguins live on the outside of Antarctica, and then every year they travel inland into like these incredibly harsh, abusive, uh, we- this harsh, abusive like weather, and they together endure and persevere through months um, in order to bring about the next generation of their kind and their species. And it is quite amazing, like, what they share with one another, and uh, through their perseverance, how God uses that for them to bring about their offspring. And for us as the church, it's the same thing, that we too, like, we are brought together, that we share life together, and it's in the sharing life and the perseverance and the suffering and the sacrifice that God actually desires to multiply what we've got going on, multiply the life that we have. Now, imagine for a moment that the penguins do that, that they move inland. You know, they create these huddle colonies, like, with one another, but then all they do is, like, there's no offspring. They just kind of then move back out, and there's nothing. It'd be kind of meaningless, right? You'd go there and endure all this stuff for meaninglessness. And the same thing is true for us, that community life, if it doesn't multiply, it's futile. Community life is futile when there is not multiplication. That God has designed us to grow. God has designed uh, the church to multiply the life that we experience in Christ and that the overflow of that would pour out into uh, other relationships that we have, into our city and into our world. It's baked into the design. So this word bless, all right? So this morning our focus is what does it mean to be a blessing? And you might already have kind of like your own sort of like definition of what does it mean to be a blessing, but the scriptures actually really kind of unpack what real blessing is. Now, there's two different words in the Hebrew Old Testament for being a blessing. The first is this word asher, which basically means happiness, you know, like happy as a person, blessed, you know. I'm blessed because I got a new car, you know, that sort of thing. So the other type of blessing that uh, the Old Testament uses, the word is called barak. When barak is used from man, to God, it means worship, right? So when man is blessing God, he's worshiping or praising God. But when God blesses man, when he baraks man, what it means is that God has given what is life, the life of God, and he's put it in humanity, that then that same life would then roll over into the way that you, humanity goes about living its purpose here on earth. We see it in Genesis 1, that when God made man and woman in his image, Before he said, go and take dominion, be fruitful and multiply, it says God blessed them. Meaning Adam and Eve couldn't fulfill their purpose, one of that being multiplication, apart from God imparting his life-giving spirit power into humankind, that humankind could then have the power to live out their purpose. So when we think about blessing, being a church that blesses, it is not transactional. As a church, our blessing is not, you know, these behaviors or come to church, or these things that you receive, or this prayer you pray, it's not predominantly about those things. It's transformational, that God transforms us, that God has blessed you if you're a follower of Jesus, that God has blessed you by forgiving you of your sins, by uh, giving to you his eternal life. And then in that, there's also an invitation for you then to go and bless others. 
by showing and sharing the love of Christ. That God has uh, blessed you, transformed your life, that you would then take that same life-transforming power and life in you that you would go and share that with other people by sharing and showing the good news of Jesus Christ. So our focus this morning as we talk about bless is going to be how. How do we do this? What does this look like for the church to actually be a blessing as a transformation of God is in our life and then that overflowing into our relationships? And we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians all right, chapter 2. Let me give you some context before we kind of dive into the passage of Scripture. So Paul is the author here of Thessalonians, and he would travel around planting churches with companions, not just by himself, but with like actually like a, a group of people. And so he went to this, uh, the city of Thessalonica, and Thessalonica, Thessalonica, the city, was fairly affluent. Um, it was kind of along this like trade route, uh, and they also, uh, their main predominant uh, religion was, you know, paganism, that they worshiped the pantheon of kind of the, the Roman gods, okay? And, and Paul went, and as he went, he, uh, him and his companions preached Jesus, and then a church was formed. And then what happened was the life transformation uh, was so apparent, the new life uh, that they had was so apparent that Paul says actually in chapter one of this letter, hey, the whole Roman Empire has heard about you guys. The whole Roman Empire has heard about what's happening in your church. Now just imagine here real quick, this church is not 3,000 people. This church is probably a couple hundred. Probably not much bigger than Covenant. And yet the whole Roman Empire had heard about the life transformation of Jesus in them. And in chapter 2, Paul kind of recaps for them what happened. You know, it's sort of like an ESPN, like play-by-play, you know, of, or replay of like what, you know, what just occurred. He kind of says, hey, here's what I came and did, and uh, here's why or how I went about doing the ministry amongst you that I did. And that's what we're going to take a look at is what did Paul do to, in, uh, to see this transformation happen within this church? All right, so read with me here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul writes, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with our words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But rather we were gentle amongst you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So Paul made a huge presumption when he went to Thessalonica. He had an assumption that they had a need, right? I mean, he could have said, hey, your life is fine. You guys are fairly affluent. You have your gods that you worship. And yet he, him and his companions were so presumptuous as if they needed the love of God, as if they needed to know about the creator whom he believed in, whom he wanted to share, that Paul was presumptuous that they had this primary need. Humanity doesn't know God unless someone proclaims him to us. If you're a follower of Jesus and you were to just probably think about your life a little bit, probably someone proclaimed him to you. 
Someone had to share with you who he really was. And you felt that need to know your creator and responded in knowing him. We as humanity are lost from God. I, I share my faith fairly often uh, because God has changed my life and, and I'm, I'm compelled to this purpose. And I'll ask this question to a lot of people. Uh, has anyone ever shared with you how you can personally know God? 80, 90% of the time people say no. Even if they went to church, 80, 90% of the people that I ask that question to say no. No one has ever shared with me how I can know God personally. But there's this void it's a weird void because actually like in our culture, we sort of say like, hey, we shouldn't, you shouldn't talk about God and your beliefs with other people. You shouldn't push that on people or presume those things. And so what do we do? We're like, we're ignorant of God. Our culture is ignorant of God because, well, one, the culture has said, don't tell us about him. And then we as Christians are like, well, then not fine. We won't tell you about him. Which that's crazy that we would actually take our, uh, our cues from the culture. If God, is, if God has really loved and he's really loved me, I've really experienced that transformation, then why would I not go and share that with other people? Dr. Bill Bright, who is like the founder of Crew, Campus Crusade for Christ, this is decades ago. Uh, he actually got together with, uh, for like, sort of like this, this debate with like this atheist. And it was a big deal. It was like going to be on a, a college campus and newspaper reporters uh, were there. It was going to be broadcast over the radio. This is before the interwebs and, you know, everyone had TVs in their home and things like that. You know, it was going to be broadcast over the radio, uh, but it was a pretty big deal. This big, you know, professor atheist guy and then Dr. Bill Bright were going to come toe-to-toe and kind of defend their truth claims, what they believe to be true. And so kind of they come together and they like have this debate, you know, Bill's defending uh, the Christian faith. Uh, but during it, as Bill is talking to uh, this, this atheist professor, he continues to point to the atheist professor, hey, God has forgiven you. God loves you. God wants to know you. He wants you to know him. And this is kind of coming out in the way that Bill is speaking. Well, once like the whole event is done, Bill and this man like are staying at the same like local hotel. And so they get in their car. And as the doors close, they go to drive back to the hotel because the event is over. The professor turns to Bill and says, tell me more about this God who loves me. That on the outside, sometimes we can so know or have our worldview constructs together that we, that we forget or, you know, because our lives look good or we're nice people or we have a nice car, you know, that things look so right on the outside and yet people want to know who God is. And so many of them don't know his love for them. Paul says here uh, at the, uh, well, in verse 8, he said, I was so affectionately desirous of you. I mean, this is strong language, affectionately desirous. That he had a desire for these Thessalonians, whom he didn't know when he showed up, to know the love of God. And then he built an affection, a care for them. Why, why can we as, as uh, followers of Jesus not have a desire for other people to know God? Why can this not be our mission? Why can't we say what our mission is? Why are we so timid about that? Now for sure, there have been plenty of people coming, proclaiming Jesus and have done so in offensive ways. I'm not validating that. They've done so in offensive ways. But just because other people before us have, have had a certain methodology doesn't mean that we still should... Uh, move away from the, the, the mandate that God has given us to proclaim his love. And sometimes maybe we feel so bashful and insecure in ourselves that uh, we don't trust that God might use us 
which, as we'll press into, I think he very much wants to use even every, each and every single one of us. I was recently having lunch with a friend who uh, Ali and I are trying to like, reach out to. Uh, we had had this couple over uh, for dinner a um, couple uh, months prior, and then I'm like, hey, you know, let's grab like, lunch and like, catch up. And we're just like, hanging out, eating barbecue and stuff like that. And he just starts telling me about, like, hey, he's like, me and my wife are super afraid of coming over to your and Allie's house because like, you're a pastor. And we're afraid that like, you're going like, to, like, and he's like, stumbling over his words. I'm like, what, like shove Jesus down your throat? And he's like, yes, we thought you were going to shove Jesus down your throat. Um, and I don't know. I don't even know if we talked about spirituality or, or whatever. And I just said to him, I said, well, that's true. I, say, I was like, you're going to make whatever decisions you want to about your religious life. You know, that's on you. You're responsible. You're responsible for your own pursuit of God. But I'm going to be clear. I do want you to know God's love because I think it's real and it's changed my life. And so if you want to talk about that, let's talk about that. Well, why can't we say those things? Why can we not? Not that you should say those things or I'll say that to everybody, but why can't we have that as our mission? Why can't that be our desire? And want that for other people because we know personally that it's changed their life. Uh, I have a friend who recently uh, went to a local car dealership to buy a car. Uh, I'm not going to say who the car dealership is because it looks really bad for them about the story I'm about to share. But when you go to buy a car, you're sometimes afraid that people are going to be too pushy, right? You're like, man, this guy's going like, to try to, you know, him or her, right? Uh, him or her, uh, you know, they're going to do anything that they can to make sure that I don't walk out of here without buying a car. But my friend who went to go buy a car was like, I'm buying a car today. I've done my research. I know exactly what I want. And so he went to this local car dealership knowing, he's like, I want to sign a deal. I want to walk off this lot with a car. And he went into the lobby and he said he waited there, him and his wife, for 15 minutes and no one ever came up to them. 15 minutes and he's ready to buy a car. And he's like, no one approached us. No one said hello. No one said, can I help you today? Nobody. And how many people are maybe like that in our life? That, that they would love to know the love of God. And, and, and we're so distracted, like salesmen, like looking at Facebook and things like that. We've got so many things going on that we're not seeing the people that God has placed in our life. I, mean, I think God puts a desire on our heart for people. That affectionate desire for someone else is God tapping you on the shoulder saying that God desires to use you in your life. If you're compelled towards somebody, there's a reason for that. That God is tapping on the shoulder saying, I want to use you to show the love of God to this person. Will you be used by me? So do you see those who are strange from God around you? All right, so how is it then we bless? I've yet to be practical about this, so let me get a little bit more practical. Blessing is sharing and showing the gospel. It's sharing and showing the good news of Jesus. Now, Paul says here that he, claim, he came proclaiming Christ. He came to share the good news. He didn't say he came to set up uh, he didn't come to uh, set up um, like a goodwill store. He didn't come to set up uh, like a hunger mission or uh, an orphanage. Those things are fine. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say those things are wrong. But Paul said his primary mission was to come to proclaim the love of Jesus to them. He came to share that message with them. And so we bless by sharing with people, actually articulating with our mouth who he is. I might call this the music of the gospel. So if you were to walk into my house and happen to catch me listening to some music and actually dancing, which I would never do in public, okay, but you would maybe find me in my living room with earbuds in, you know, dance, do like the white, white guy, like the lawnmower thing. All white guys know this right here, you know, this is all we got. You know, maybe a little bit of this, 
you know, maybe some of this, you know, so we don't got much. Um, but if you saw me doing that, all right, in my living room, all right, I got earbuds on, you're like, man, whatever Nick is doing, that looks fun. Moving your body like that, that looks fun, you know? Something wrong with you if you actually think that. But let's say, because it's an illustration, that you saw that and you're like, man, that looks fun, I want to do that. And you came and you began to mimic my behavior. Are we having the same experience? No. You're mimicking my behavior. I'm responding to music. My life is responding to music. And you're just mimicking behavior. The music of the gospel is a transforming truth of Jesus. That the music is that there is a God who came for you. There's a God who died on the cross for you. There's a God who uh, forgave you of your sin. There's a God who wants to give you and change you from the inside out. He wants everything to be genuine and real. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And that is through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the music. In, Paul, uh, in Romans, Paul writes, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Why is it beautiful? Because it's the music of God's love for others. Every one of us who claims to be a follower of Jesus, right, we should be able to share a couple things. We should be able to share a personal testimony. We should be able to share how God worked in our life. If God is real and you really change your life, you should be able to, at some point in time in your journey, be able to say, yeah, let me tell you about when I was 25. Let me tell you about when I was 35. Let me tell you when I was 16. Let me tell you when I was 60. You know, whatever it is, that we should be able to find places and know those places where God is working in our life. And we should be comfortable, right, comfortable to let, let our relationship with God leak out of our life and be unapologetic about it. I have a friend right now who's battling cancer. It's his third bout with cancer. And his neighbor who, who uh, doesn't believe in God, right, he's an agnostic, doesn't believe in God, asked in a caring way to my friend, hey, how's that going for you? My friend is like, I am really frustrated with God right now. That's real for him. That's his real walk with God right now. We should be able to share those things personally. But then also we should be able to articulate truths to those who follow Jesus. That if someone were to actually come to you and say, I'd like to buy a car, although not a car, I'd like to know the Jesus that you follow. If someone actually said, hey, would you share with me how I can have a relationship with God? Would you know how to respond to that? Do you know one, two, three passages in scripture that you could open up and just say, let me just read this with you and see what you think. Ephesians 2, Philippians 2, Mark chapter 1, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8. There's tons of places in Scripture where we can open up and just help people begin to see what is, uh, the Bible claims to be true about who God is and what he's done, not just for us, but for the whole world. Do you know a couple of passages of Scripture that you can make Jesus known? And then thirdly, if we're going to share, we need to be able to engage. Not just truth bomb somebody, but actually talk about it. Actually be comfortable enough to be able to like take a look at something and say, and this is what I'll do. I'll go to, for example, Ephesians 2. I'll read it and say, let me just like tell you real quick what it means. This is what it means. What do you think about that? What do you believe about that? What are you skeptical about? Let's talk about that. And we'll just start engaging conversation. I have to know all the answers. I don't need to know everything. If this is true, if this is real, if God's love is real, if his word changes people, I'm going to trust that God's going to take care of that. I'm just going to be faithful about engaging people and showing them uh, the gospel. You might, might ask, if someone saw you dancing, would you be able to hum enough of the tune that they, that they could hear what you're responding to? All right, so we bless by sharing the gospel, and then also we bless by showing the gospel. 
Paul says here, he didn't, they didn't come just proclaiming the gospel. He says that we also uh, shared our own selves because you had become very dear to us. That Paul shared his life with people. Right? It wasn't just about, again, church attendance. It wasn't just about make sure you behave these things. He was like, I'm going to get in your life and I'm going to let you get in my life. And he shared life with them. When you think about being a blessing to our city community, what do you think people want from you? What do people want from you? Do they want your resources or do they want your relationship? Do people want your resources or do they want your relationship? My guess is that people want your friendship. They want your relationship. Alan and I found this out just this past week. Uh, We're going to be super sweet to our friends. We had a couple friends who aren't in church. They don't know God. Um, And we're like, hey, we want to bless them. So we're going to like make them a meal, you know? We're going to like do that thing. Actually, Allie made them a meal because I've already confessed I can't cook. Um, so Allie made them a meal. And we're, we like live life to the full, right? Like we live, you know, we got kids in activities and I'm in school and we both like are working. And, we got, and I, we're like, we have 30 minutes where Nick can sort of drop these meals off on the way to basketball practice is the way that we were going to go. And so Allie made the meals during the day. Uh, I go to drop them off. And, and both couples, both couples said, where's your wife? Oh, we were hoping to get some time with you. Both of them said, Where's, well, it tells you something that they asked for my wife, not me. Um, but two, like, we, we were hoping to get some time with you. And, and true confession, even for us, we can get so fixated on it, it's about the thing. You want the dinner, not me, but really they want us. They want to relate. They want to connect. And am I willing to carve out that space and time for people in my life? Or am I just going to be so distracted by the things that I got to go to get here, to get there, to get my own purpose done? I'm not joining hands with God in order to be in connecting with other people in their life. It wouldn't have been probably that hard for Allie and I to carve out another 20 minutes for us to go together and actually spend 10 to 15 minutes with these families. But we just kind of get focused on flyby resource dispensation as opposed to inviting people into our life. So, how do you share the, share the good news? How do you bless others by uh, sharing or showing the good news? Give them your space and time. That your physical person has a power about it. You being in the same space, in the same place as people, has a power about it. Even if you feel like, you're like, man, I don't know if I could share or tell anybody about Jesus. That's fine. At least be around people. At least get your physical person around people and relate and connect. That is significant. Beyond meaningful, it is significant. Do you give people their, your time? Inviting people into your home and just having a meal together. Going out to coffee with people. Creating margins. When I show up to practices, I coach a lot of my kids. I am always looking to engage other coaches and other families and just talk and let's see what happens. Not just showing up to coach, but showing up to try to also like connect with people. My wife is actually fantastically better at this than me. Uh, I was asking um, her input on what does this look like? How does she flesh out in her life? She just says at the beginning of every week, she thinks about the people in her life and she asks God, give me wisdom on how I can connect with them during the week. God, lead me and guide me on how I can connect with these people during the week. And she'll send text messages like throughout the week to people just following up. And she is so good at building relationships with people. So for us, we can share and show 
bless others by sharing truth in the gospel, we can articulate the truth of the gospel and even more when we actually allow ourselves to be around people. So when I was 16, I met Mike. Um, I was a, a wrestler in high school. Uh, don't hold it against me. Um, I was a wrestler in high school, and uh, he was like the new assistant coach. He was a uh, like kind of 22 to 24, something like that. Um, and so like when he, he came in, like, you know, he really took me under his wing. He taught me wrestling, but also like he became somewhat of a, like a mentor in my life, you know? And so he'd spend the extra time before and after practice with me. You know, sometimes he'd take me to like different like tournaments, like off season and stuff like that. And I built a real strong just friendship and affection and connection with him. Now here's the deal. Mike's lifestyle was not the type of lifestyle that your mom wants you to emulate, all right? His life is much more like a National Lampoon's, like, Animal House, like, Van Wilder, like, kind of life is what Mike was living. So while I felt very loved by Mike, and we felt very, like, connected, <clears throat> the things he was doing were not the things that my mom probably wanted me to do. Um, Mike just lived for himself, you know? He lived for pleasure, and that's what was kind of the thing that really drove and motivated what he did. Well, let's kind of fast forward the journey a little bit. I graduate high school. I come to college. I start... I really meet Jesus. I really start following Jesus. I get connected to community. My life is like trans, transforming, and I, and I want other people to know about this, and Mike is one of those guys that I want to know about this. And while we didn't connect all the time, we maintained a connection like for years. Mike would be one of those guys I would say I had like an affectionate desire that he would know the love of Jesus. And so uh, at the end of college, Allie and I get married. We actually move back to Cincinnati, which is where I'm from. That's where Mike's at. Uh, and so I'm now actually like near him again. We can actually start spending time together again. And, and I wanted Mike to know Jesus. I wasn't really good at sharing Jesus. I was, you know, I'm, if you've talked to me, you know I'm awkward. And so even then, like I was still awkward, you know, but we just have a good connection. We're hanging out. Um, and so I'm just trying to find ways. God, help me. How do I connect with this guy, you know? Um, but either way, like, I just began to, with that mission, that desire that Mike would know Jesus, just begin to bring it up and talk to him about it. I remember one night, uh, we went to a baseball game together, and uh, we're sitting out. He had had a couple in him, so he was probably feeling pretty good, and, uh, like, we're hanging out, and he's telling me about his theories about aliens, like, sort of coming and populating our earth, and that's what he thought, and I'm just like, hey, here's what I think, here's what I think God did, um, and I'm, you know, it was my first real time of really witnessing to him, really articulating like what I knew to be true of like the Bible and, and God, you know? And I just remember, if anything, not even so much what I said, I just remember my heart, my heart breaking, breaking, longing for Mike to know Jesus, wanting him so badly and just praying, God, I, how is this going to happen? Like, how is Mike ever going to like come to know you? And Mike began uh, dating pretty seriously, this girl, Danelle, and Allie was in my life. And so we just began to like hang out with Mike and Danelle like quite a bit. We'd go watch UFC fighting together and stuff like that um, and just hang out. And Mike and, also, and I would also talk about life and we'd talk about God and Jesus and all this kind of stuff. And uh, Mike, every now and then, would just show these like windows into like being curious about Jesus. And, and once he said, I don't know if I could believe in Jesus uh, because I, my life is too messed up. There's no way Jesus would forgive me. I have to clean my life up before I could ever get serious about God, which I said that wasn't true. Um, I remember uh, Mike began to say, well, I have interest in reading the Bible. And so I bought him a Bible and gave it to him. He began to, to read it. And I remember another little window where we're standing outside of a strip mall and I dropped him off, I think at work or something like that. And uh, I, 
you know, I just remember having the window roll down, Mike turning to me. He said something that made me think, man, maybe Mike and Danelle would come to church with us. And I was like, I was like, hey, would you ever want to come to church with us? And he's like, yeah, I think Danelle and I would be open to that. And so I invited Mike and Danelle. Um, we invited Mike and Danelle to come to church with us a few weeks later, and they, and they came. So things are progressing. We're, like, excited about, like, what's happening in Mike and Danelle's faith journey. And then God calls Allie and I to Germany, all right? He calls us missionaries to go overseas to Germany. And, and I'll be honest, like my, I was excited about the call to Germany and I was fearful before the Lord about Mike and Danelle. And I said, Lord, Mike and Danelle like don't know you. They're, things are progressing, but if we leave, how are they ever gonna know you? And he says, do you not think that they can know me through my church? And I said, no, I don't think that they can know you through your church. <laughs> I don't trust them. <laughs> I care too much about Mike and Danelle. Um, but as it so happens, we had to leave, <laughs> and, and Mike and Danelle were still loosely somewhat connected to this church. And so we don't really talk all that much, you know, uh, this is like even before like Skype was a thing, you know. Um, so finally Mike and I are like, hey, let's catch up, and it was like six months later. And as we're, I'm getting ready to get on the phone and catch up with uh, Mike about how life is going and stuff like that, you better believe in my heart, I'm like, where are they at with God? Has 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 what has been growing and transpiring in their life before we left, is it continuing to grow or is it now dead? I was worried that it was dead. Well, as we got on the phone, uh, we just began to talk and catch up. And the way Mike is talking about Jesus is so different than he ever had talked or mentioned about Jesus before. And I said, hold on a second, Mike. I was like, do you believe in Jesus? Like, have you become a believer in Jesus? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm a believe, you know, I, I totally believe that this thing is like real and true and like, you know, I've like asked for forgiveness, you know, he's my Lord and I'm like, where did that all happen? How did that all transpire? You know, six months had gone by and he's like, well, he's like, you guys left us and we were still going to the church and then a couple befriended us at the church and then invited us to their community group and we began to go to that community group and we began to kind of get plugged in like with more people and he's like, a couple months ago, I'm just sitting, listening to the sermon, all of a sudden he's like, he's like, I just asked myself, do I believe this? He's like, yeah, I believe this. I believe, this is true. That somehow in the midst of like going to church and being a part of uh, the, the life in these relationships, he was like, Jesus is real. Mike and Danelle's whole life trans, like transformed. They actually went on with some other people to go help plant another church. Um, and I share that to say this, that for us, as community, we both have an individual responsibility and a corporate responsibility and corporate part in this thing. That Mike and Danelle don't come to know the Lord if they don't know me and Allie. And that's not to float our boat. That's just to say that we were their primary connection. And Mike and Danelle don't come to know the Lord if they don't get connected to the church and the people in the church. And the people in the church don't step in and love and invite them into real life. It's both. And we as community life, when we talk about blessing, we're talking about bringing the gospel and, and doing it both individual responsibility, but then corporately, what is our role to be on the journey with each other and in each other's lives and each other's lives of those who we are trying to reach out to? And so what does that look like? If I were to give you like an illustration, you know, the Gillespie's, you know, meet for dinner almost every night. You know, we eat dinner, but then the Gillespie's also are all over the place. We have our own relationships, People I know aren't the same people that my kids know, aren't the same people that Allie knows, and Allie knows people that I don't know. And yet, even though we're out there, we also bring them here, right? 
and we find ways of supporting and doing mission together. We're all, all individually engaging with those whom God has put around our sphere of influence. And so for you, my question is, you know, as we think about our community groups and your connection with the church, how are you linking arms with one another in order to be a part of what God wants to do in someone else's life? My other question is, are you, do you have eyes to see the people in the lobby that want to know the love of God? And are you willing to go up to them and say, how can I help you? Are you willing to go up to them and say, let me see if I can't help you take the next steps? Being a part of what God is doing in people's lives, it's the most exciting thing that I get to do personally in my followership of Jesus. That God would somehow use me to share what someone shared with me in Wendy's back when I was 18 years old. And I love that just by sharing, that God then begins to grow something in others. Let me pray for us, and we'll spend the next part of our time in worship. Heavenly Father, um, I must confess, God, that I... I so often live my life not realizing like what's in me and not living as if you've put something transformative in me and that you want me to join with you and what you want to do in other people's lives. God, that I can live very selfishly and very distracted and I confess that, God. Lord, would you empower us to go and be the love of Christ to our city and to the world God, give us wisdom on how to link arms together with one another. And give us wisdom, Lord, where we are uh, in a place and we have a relationship with people. Show us how it is that we can share and show your good news to them. And as we do that, Lord, would you sing your music to them? Amen.